0: You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best known community radio station, three triple R one oh two point seven in Melbourne. Yes, yeah, the sex offense whale, as the siren song of the afternoon <laughs> tells you. It is the afternoon, and it's time to talk about food and booze. Yes. Although it's mostly going to be food today. We wish you a very, very warm and hearty afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Good Hello, afternoon Matt Steadman. Hello, Cameron
1: Smith. How are though? It's a, I'm well it's a good afternoon. It's beautiful out there.
0: Yeah, it is nice. Well done, Melbourne. Well after, done
1: after yesterday's little shock and surprise. Woo. Shock and
0: surprise. <laughs> yeah, wild and wet. And I had the washing so, out. That was a mistake. And thunderous. Yes. A thunderous applause for weather. It uh yeah, it certainly happened. And uh I, well, for those that were out in it, mm-hmm. I was sort of semi out and in on it. It was uh Pretty cray cray. (laughs) (laughs) It was a crazy old day. Um, But uh, we look back and we say thanks to the scientists and, of course, everybody that was on this morning. Mm -hmm. You're on the Mighty R's here in beautiful downtown East Brunswick. Yep. And um, where we have to say that we are part of a mighty progressive team of people here. And uh, dare I say, Mm. we were talking about this in the car ride on the way into the station, how. We were proud to be associated with the station this week. Yes, and proud, I guess, as a bit of a nation, but
1: also as a as, to live in this progressive state and city. After Wednesday's survey results, so I was kind of pleased. So Melbourne uh, topped the table in terms of the yes vote, where I think it was eighty three percent,
0: confirmed our expectation, shall we say?
1: It did. Um, it did, and also where we live, uh, Melbourne ports, the St Kilda represent there with I think it was the third highest
0: yes vote of the whole country. Mm. So bravo, and also bravo to the station who immediately, um, I think maybe <laughs> two and a half minutes past the hour of ten, they said. We're closing the office. <laughs> yes. And, We're going to go uh, and celebrate this. And I think that was um, just a remarkable thing. So, um, yeah, there it is. I think that's just all we really need to say about that. Yes. But bravo, beauty. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Um, today's show, we should probably look ahead towards mm-hmm. that. Um, it's... Um, well, it's an interesting kind of show today. Um, we're hoping to see um, a guest who's coming in, um, yes. but we're also going to be reaching out over the airwaves, uh, one to one person, uh, two people actually. Mm. Uh, we're going up the states, to be honest with you, mm. and uh, it's all to do with ingredients, in a way. Mm. Uh, the first one, Andrew Cavasalis is the first New South Wales licensed hemp farmer. Did you know on the 12th of November, mm. um, edible, low THC hemp has become
1: legal? I did not know that. It's obviously been a big few weeks in the news, and this it certainly was under my radar, but I did not know that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the changes to the law. The hype
0: about hemp. The hype about him. We could do that. Um, yeah, so he's going to be talking about that. And, hmm. um, oh gosh, oh, do we need another superfood? <laughs> really? Yeah. But anyway, him could be the new superfood. He does sound pretty amazing. Uh, we'll let Andrew talk a little bit about that. Yep. And then we are hoping to see, we might put a call in him just to make sure <laughs> that he's on his way, Alejandro Saliva from uh, Pastuzzo. Why yes. am I doing that? Sorry. I don't know. Uh, from Pastuzzo in... Um, a Peruvian restaurant in Akadaka Lane, yes. which I kind of like. <laughs> in downtown nice, Melbourne. It's an interesting juxtaposition, shall we say. <laughs> Pisco Sours and uh, Hell's Bells. And timely, given the
1: passing of uh, of Malcolm Young over, was it overnight? Anyway, the last couple of days. It was. Yeah, yeah we,
0: one uh, of the, what are we, well, how do we describe him before? Influential. Seminal. Yes, yeah, seminal, seminal, influential, ACDC. Yeah, damn right. So Alejandro's going to come in, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about empanadas. I think we w- we agreed that we might have a chat about. And mm. I wanted to also follow on from something that we missed out last week. You've, you've still got this this
1: bee in your bonnet. You want to talk chilies? I want to talk about
0: the journey of the chili.
1: You've also you brought in this this book on chilies. It's called oh, it's the very, chili
0: book. Very old book, actually. Mark Miller from that's sort of with the, the
1: that's an uh, odd spelling of chili. That's Chil- Chile as in the country spelling. Yeah, well, they're Americans. You know, okay, they
0: do right. all sorts of strange things with language over there (laughs) and then uh our next ingredient that we are looking at so we've gone from um low thc hemp to um empanadas yep or as uh, my neighbour was calling, Peruvian party pies, uh, <laughs> which I we'll want see how that goes down with Alejandro. Um, uh, we are going to be talking about bananas and uh, bananas. Uh, well, there's what are the, the Guardian newspaper did an article this week which caught my attention. We're in a spot of bother. Banana, it's, it's been around for a while. Yeah, um, and this is another one that's been
1: a little bit under the radar. I would say to you, say to me. That has been under the radar, but banana crops worldwide are
0: facing threat, a big threat, annihilation, fungal yes. annihilation, Matt. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that. No. Um, yes, multi-billion-dollar uh, banana industry is at risk. It's a deadly disease, um, and we are going to be having a chat to a man who is trying to put that right, mm. um, and ameliorate through genetic modification it's when genetic modification is used for the powers of good i suppose mm-hmm.
1: it's interesting because all across the world we really only eat one variety of banana do you know the name of it uh i should because you mentioned it in the car and now i've forgotten it starts with a c cavendish
0: cavendish it's banana. the cavendish banana and yes. um and that's this is one of the problems of bananas mm. it's sort of it's a monoculture mm. And we've seen how that can go horribly wrong. The Irish learnt those lessons in, uh, in the, a very horrible way. The Gortmore. Yes. <laughs> Just, the Gortmore, the, the Great Potato Famine. Yes. To which um, um, huge ramifications happen. But, um, yeah, all bananas, are um, they're, they're cloned and mm. um, this is a problem. But uh, we have on the show the distinguished professor, mm. James Dale, A-O-F-T-S-E doesn't mean footsie not quite sure what that is but um, he is looking at uh, genetic modification to um, save is that a bit much or at least try and get around the effects of this
1: disease because you were saying if, if left on its own yes. um, the crops can take you know in some
0: cases up to a decade to recover yes
1: um, and that's not good
0: and I don't know if you know it that um, bananas top the roster of the world fruit production and try did not know that yeah yeah um, but we'll talk a bit about bananas mm. a little bit later. Um, now, before we go into our first guest, mm. um, food quote. This is kind of good from mm. Alice B. Toklas, American writer from 1877-1967. Yes. God bless you, Alice. And she said, what is sauce for the goose? Maybe be sauce for the gander, but is not necessarily sauce for the chicken, the duck, the turkey, or the guinea hen. Pondus. <laughs> with a popping P. Sources uh, ain't sources. Sources ain't sources. And uh, it like didn't go alive. Something like that, anyway. Uh, we've got a couple of saints today, which I've found, and I thought yes. they were kind of interesting. We've got a big one today, folks. Go. Doesn't get much bigger than this. Mm. The big one, Saint Peter. Ah, he is the, the Apostle, patron of. And this is his. This is job his sheet. portfolio. Yeah, you ready? Portfolio minister, or um, Saint minister for patron of bakers, butchers, fishermen, harvesters, and. Supplementary mm. foot problems. <laughs> so, if you've got a bit of tinea,
1: say a prayer. He's got quite the job, doesn't he? Because if he's the guy at the pearly gates <laughs> figuring out whether you're in or not, check your feet. Oh, no, <laughs> have a look at him. How he keeps across all of his other
0: portfolios. Ah, busy. Busy man. But they're everywhere. Yes. That, that's sort of the whole gig of it all, isn't it? That is. Anyway. And then we also have to mention St. Odo of Clooney. St. Odo. St. Odo. Yes. St. Odo of Clooney Um, who was very, very busy yesterday Hmm. because he is the patron for rain. Oh. And the rain came down yesterday. Did it? And how? I was at uh, Junipalooza, which was um, a a festival of gin. Yes. Down there at the Boat Builder's...
1: Shed down there at uh, Southbank, Which is a nice little spot, but I'm sure, as you discovered, not
0: fully covered. Sort of inside, sort of outside. Yes. Discovered that. <laughs> uh, big day, but uh, big kudos to the organisation and the staff there, because the staff there were amazing. You said they were running around with squeegees. Well, they were just in this rain, like carrying bags of ice, squeegeeing down things. Rolling down shutters. This rain shall not stop us. They just kept going, mm. and um, and a bit with big smiles too. Like, okay. well, not huge smiles, but mm. you know, carrying on regardless. Twelve, eleven. We need to carry on regardless we because we're going to find about uh, the legal THC. And uh, is this the new wonder food? So a momentous thing happened um, mm. on the twelfth of November. And um, it was a watershed day, and it was a watershed day for low-THC hemp uh, being made legal all across the uh, – I'm pretty sure it's all across the nation. Mm. Um, but the great thing is we have Andrew Cavasalis on the phone from New South Wales, and he's the man with the, uh, the answers and, uh, most importantly, the motivation to get this crop going and to popularise it around this country. Uh, very, very good afternoon to you, Andrew. How are you?
2: Very good, thanks. Good afternoon. Good.
0: Tell us a little bit about... Um, what. First of all, how did this come about, that um, this change in um, in the status of this, uh, well, let's face it, a much maligned plant um, has been going on for, well, decades and decades?
2: Um, oh, I don't know. I suppose... Look, hemp seed and hemp use was, was always... Uh, around for thousands of years by humans about Indeed. 80 odd years ago um, there was some United Nations drug conventions put up and a line on drugs was put on the other side of cannabis so mm. um, in relation to what we're doing now on hemp seed food or low THC cannabis um, the UN drug conventions did clearly stipulate that, that these drug laws didn't apply to hemp grown poor seed or fibre but for some reason the allied countries went at all marijuana whereas most of the world never stopped india turkey all the iron curtain countries um and what we've seen is a resurgence of hemp seed food in the western diet we're the last country to really get on board but really, really what 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 is it yeah absolutely but what really is its strength and what really does um set it apart from everything else is its nutritional value so in spite of you know successive governments and 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 people i suppose portraying, you know, cannabis as a a bad drug and and this and that and it's all illegal and we shouldn't even be eating the seed. Um, You know, its it's nutritional value got up. It's a really good food and we can talk about that too. People can look it up and you'll see it's a very versatile grain. It's just an oil seed um, It tastes like nuts and it's really nice food.
0: Some say that it was a conspiracy of the DuPont Corporation to bring in the... uh, uh, this thing that they developed called uh, nylon
2: Look that that that's part of it, but that came later know the, yeah. the original the original UN drug treaties were around um, Medicine and, and basically that encapsulated coca. Yes um, ah, coca, okay. a Very important drug for medicine opium and the poppies and that's another very important drug for humans and Cannabis but for some reason cannabis got left on the sideline and so what ultimately happened is that, um, like, like these other cannab- uh, coca and opium, no, no government really owns them, and same as cannabis. It's a small number of companies, and they distribute it to the world. And, um, you know, with, 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 with medical cannabis, well, we still see that same situation and the hold-up, but with hemp seed food, we're, we're really happy that it's gone forward now, and we'll see a slow destigmatisation and, and the truth come out about safe use of cannabis whether it's food or medicine so
3: well, you know, these are uh, really
2: exciting times
0: Andrew if we could let's uh, let's talk about shall we call it uh, culinary cannabis um, yeah. and um, so it's mainly the seeds we um, we are looking at for uh, for consumption
2: yeah absolutely that's all really we're allowed to eat here in Australia and that's all that really has been used by humans so mm. um, it's a, called an achine really c i n e. it's versatile so it's an oil seed well as well as something that, you know, now, again, another um, uh, new development in the Western uptake uh, in, in the diet has been that we dehull the seed now, so we take the hard oh, shell yeah. off, just get left with the, you, you know, the soft, the, the, the hemp meat in the Is middle. the
0: and, endosperm?
2: Yeah, and, 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 you know, you just, you know, when you put it in your mouth, you chew it just as a, a normal nut. You know, that's what it tastes like. It, diff- it sort of tastes between macadamia, almond, and, and cashew. And the texture is the same as well.
0: What was the third one? I didn't quite hear that. So what do we? um, It it tastes like macadamia, cashew,
2: cashew, cashew, macadamia, almond. Yeah. Can you make it just as versatile? Yeah, absolutely. Milks. Yeah.
0: Can you make a butter out of it, like a peanut butter? butter?
2: Yeah. Yep. All of that. Yeah. And these these products are available all around the world. Um, It's just that we don't have them here. Uh, We're not we're not allowed to. Milks are available overseas in in tetra packs in chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla.
0: God, um, yeah. Well, I guess for, for a lot of us, it's, it's going to take our, uh, our uh, uh, a little bit of time to get our heads around this. Yes,
2: yeah, so same in Canada. We, we looked at Canada, where the laws really shifted in two thousand and two, where 2002. you know they, they were allowed to, where they were allowed to start exporting into the US. The US is the other anomaly in all of this. Is that? Whereas we were allowed to grow hemp here we weren 't allowed to eat it in the u s they 're allowed to eat it, but not allowed to grow it. so what happened in Canada when those when those uh, opportunities for export opened up they re- it really went went gangbusters and we 've seen double digits um, Growth in, in in exports ever since then. Now, I think they're up to about half a billion dollars just in that one market alone.
0: Wow! And um, all right. And for the actual seed that I- itself, um, uh, the 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 oil, the protein, the flour. I'm reading from your stuff. Um, yes. uh, so, what are the benefits we've got? Um, tell tell us about what are these things high in that we should uh, look at adding it to our diet. Okay,
2: so. First of all, with the oil, the oil it produces, it's, um, it's, it's, it has a ratio of, of omega three, six, and nine mm. that is perfect for the human body. These are plant-based omegas, not like fish oil, which are animal-based. Yes. Um, then you've got a high protein um, content as well, so it's really good as a non-way
0: so substitute a, a, for
2: in protein. Sorry to I cut across that.
0: you, Andrew. So this is a, v- a great vegan source of omega three.
2: Oh, absolutely vegan gluten-free has Mm. no known allergens humans have been eating this for a very long time and it's important for people you know whether they want to look back on that or other just try it what we're saying is just try it um and and you won't be disappointed um it it really is a, a, a good you know it's not a food that's going to be pervasive and it's going to be everywhere and on everything um, but certainly, you know, if people incorporate a little bit into their diet, whether it's a little bit of oil with their salad dressing or as a drizzle over cooked fish, um, it's a it's a fragile oil, so it's not it's something like flaxseed oil. So you'll see it in fridges, oh, yeah. um, at the health yeah. food shop or, or, or places like that. And um, you know, it, it, a little bit in your diet every day will certainly help people. It has all the essential fatty acids, all eleven amino acids. Um, it has a full complement of vitamins and minerals. Um, you know during it's been interesting watching its reintroduction so more recent oh you know five six years ago um nasa um allowed it onto the diet for up in the international space station because it is that that good there there was no reason to to not have it up there and that kind of a a protein and vitamin base for 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 astronauts of the human body
0: so hemp oil without getting spaced out
2: yeah absolutely I mean you know it just it 's non existent you know I mean it just, it just isn 't there we We work we have maximum allowable limits of cannabinoids in the food itself, but they really are very, very low. We compare it to poppy seed um, we're not you know we 're not talking about people using um, you know opium or opiates, but yes yeah. in poppy seeds there's there 's residual um, uh, opiates there
0: yes um, uh, the uh, the episode of Seinfeld and uh, Elaine getting busted for uh for opioid by by having the poppy seed bagels comes to mind.
2: Yeah, 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 and and that's true. So, you know, um, we're we're bound by similar rules in terms of maximum allowable limits of of Delta-9 in the oil, in the milk, and in the, the processed seed or
0: the, the whole hemp seed. So where we're at at the moment, November 12th, um, legislation has changed. And yep. uh, so this was the green light to go ahead with seed trials or a broad acre farming, I suppose. And when will we start to see these products uh, become available for consumers?
2: Well, legally, well, fortunately and unfortunately, they have been a- around for a while, even on... on, on um, on the shelves of, of lots of different shops, but with notations on them, on the labeling that not for human consumption in Australia. Uh, a lot of it's been imported from China and from Canada, and so when, you know, it won't be very long. I mean, there is a certain stockpile of seed here in Australia, with our company okay. Vida Hemp. Um, we're we're just finishing off. So unfortunately, we, we even uh, we got caught. So you know, just working with different industries now that you know we we weren't used to before. So we're getting our packaging and labelling organised now. Just finalising now. So we'll, you know, for us personally, we'll be launching at the uh, down in Melbourne at a health hemp and innovation expo at the convention centre.
0: You're over at Jeff's Shed, are not you? What have we got? Saturday, December second, Sunday, December third. Yep.
2: Yep and um but like i said there is not not so much that there's new products on the market but what people will see is australian labeled um, and and hopefully in the in the future it'll all just be really good quality australian grown hemp seed and um, you know imported product it will be much like the olive oil industry when it really started taking off in australia they established some trade standards about You know what is good quality, including the introduction of terms like virgin and extra virgin, and they'll apply it across the board, and including um, truth in labelling around country of origin. So we'll hope to to establish those trade and industry standards around hemp seed food, so that people, when they do finally get to try some hemp seed food, especially Australian grown, it'll be a good experience and something that they'll carry
0: on with. Oh, that sounds great. Well, look, Andrew, congratulations on, uh, well, first of all, maybe getting that, uh, legislation through. And, uh, just to mention that again, uh, December, Saturday, December 2nd, Sunday, December 3rd at the Hemp Health and Innovation Expo at Jeff Shed. Andrew, thank you for your time in explaining how these things have changed. And, uh. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure. All right, 12.24 here on 3 Triple RFM and Pumpy's in the house. Uh, and we've got a little bit of music for you. We're music got a... Before we do that, uh, uh, sorry. I want to talk about the Brewers' Feast Festival, Cam. What? The Brewers' Feast
1: Festival. Oh, you've got my attention. It's a two-day craft beer festival held in the Abbotsford Convent. Uh, also on Saturday, December 2 and Sunday, December Ooh, 3. that
0: makes it hard. Maybe go there one in the morning, one in the afternoon. It's a busy weekend. Hemp in the morning. <laughs> beer in the beer afternoon. Beer in the
1: afternoon. What a great day. day. Uh The Brewers Feast Festival showcases local and Australian craft beers, as you'd expect, but also cider. Cider? Cider. Cider and organic And parry? Wine.
0: What about the Perry? sure there'll be some Perry. Yeah, there'll be some Perry. That's us pair cider in case uh, cider.
1: Food options there. Live music from Shiva and the Hazards, Ben Whiting, Neighbourhood Youth and many, many more. Tickets available from au. but the reason I'm telling you this why right are you now, Cameron. Why? 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 Because we have a double pass to give away. Whoa! Um, give us a ring if you're a subscriber, 93881027. I guess what we should probably ask is we just spoke about the growth of the hemp seed industry. What was the. What was the country that really kicked it off in the early 2000s in the Western Hemisphere?
4: A good question, Matt. 9388-1027.
0: Yes. We'll take a random caller. Uh, we're waiting for Alejandro. He's to... on his way in. He's short as fire text. So Did we'll he? See, we're
1: going to play some music and we'll see who we're going to speak to next, depending on who's actually All right. <laughs>
0: so, uh, Godfathers of Funk? Yes. It's about Bootsy. Yes. It's all about the Bootsy. And uh, it goes like this. Hope you enjoy this. Shake it up. here on the trip, and we're happy to be here. Oh, my God. And we've just... uh, There's some food just getting stacked up in front of you. it's, uh, It's kind of an exciting thing here. Alejandro from Pastuzzo is here. Down in Akadaka Lane, he's handing out foods and... uh, And serviettes. And serviettes. Because we're very dignified here. We are very, very (laughs) dignified (laughs) here. First of all, a big um, lucky winner who... uh, Ah,
1: yes, congrats to Fee Laskam, who correctly suggested that the hemp seed industry got a big shot in the arm in the early noughties from Canada.
0: A big shot in the arm from Canada. And now, hopefully, we'll continue through Australia as well. We shall see. Mm. Um, Alejandro, a very, very good afternoon to you. guys.
4: How are you? Better
0: for seeing you, my man. No, thank um, you. Me, you, yeah. you scared me when you came in, though, because uh, <laughs> it's like all this short hair, and I thought, if, you, if you've if you met Alejandro, has uh, these great locks of hair, and uh, the ones on the side have been taken off, but the ones on the top are doing it. How's that... Um, Headquarters of Peruvian food down there in
4: AC. Are you in ACDC Lane or Duckboard Lane? Which ACDC Lane. It is, in, yeah.
0: That's, it's this interesting so juxtaposition. Yeah, both
4: lanes merge in the middle. Of, yeah. uh, actually, behind the building were Cherry Bar is. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, what an iconic address, right?
0: It's fantastic, but <laughs> yeah, it's just an interesting juxtaposition. How long has um pastuzza been going for now? It was
4: has uh, been for three years and a half.
0: Three and a half yeah, years. out another finger. In,
4: in in Australia
0: and getting us uh, used to the great tastes of things like ceviche.
4: Yes, uh, and uh, we're, we're actually celebrating. Um, uh, well, we're probably going to be celebrating for the rest of the year because Peru got into the World Cup. Hey! First time after 36 years. Hey, what about <laughs> the poor Italians,
0: huh? Yeah. There's well, some devastated Italians around yeah. the joint. My yeah. God. Well, congratulations. And uh, what are your chances? How good is the Peruvian? Well, um, good enough, obviously.
4: We'll see. We always have hope, which <laughs> is what counts. Well, that's a good way to be. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, um, that's a good way to be. And um, I think maybe that's with Aussies. But... Um, we thought. Well, you've brought in um, what I have uh, cheekily called uh, Peruvian party pies. Yeah, well, empanada. They're called empanadas. Yeah, he's looking at. He's it, like, you don't eat empanadas, man. <laughs> um, empanada. It's well, taking like, on a tradition of all around the world, which is encasing a filling within pastry, yeah. and uh, making. First of all, I think a great idea is not only making it delicious, but also making food portable.
4: Yeah, yeah, and, um, well, in, as you said, in different, um, cultures, they yeah. have embraced, um, that style of cooking. Mm. Um, we can't say that it's, a, a South American un- only, because no. then you go to, um, Middle East and they have these, you know, pockets of, um, as you said, uh, pastry stuffed with different protein or different vegetables in India as well.
0: Coal miners of Cornwall will say, no, it's the pasty. Which was, you know, a way to take your, your dinner down in a mine without refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then
4: here in Australia, pies. Yeah,
0: bloody pies, mate. Yeah, yeah, pork pie, which is sort of uh, English charcuterie. Oh, which yeah. I t- t- yeah. to someone. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Huh? So, but
4: um, well, um, I brought a assortment of um different. You sure did. you embarrassment. So, we've different got empanadas that we are offering at Che, which is our charcoal chicken shop in Fitzroy aha uh-huh. so, as in uh, that's on the, in the corner between not, not
0: Guevara obviously because that's a different nationality no. Che is, uh, what che. does Che mean?
4: well Che comes from the slang of calling somebody else, somebody might it, it's oh, a hey, Argentinian way of saying mate or, okay. or, or no worries as well yeah um, or hey sorry yeah um so we took that and uh, it's all also um uh uses an acronym of chicken yes helados yes which is means really? ice cream in spanish oh really yeah helados yes and empanadas empanadas so what we do at Che is um we specialize in those three different things mm. charcoal chicken with a traditional peruvian marinade which is beer different spices it's marinated for 48 hours chili um, it has a little bit of um chili in my recipe
0: mm-hmm.
4: um peruvian uh, sun-dried chili yes. panca chili uh and we smoke that with cherry wood for around thirty minutes what cherry wood um cherry wood the any stone fruit wood gives a a sweeter um, smoke flavor to, to the protein or the vegetables that you are smoking. So it's a little bit different from using iron bark, for instance. Yes. Iron bark, it's a little bit more intense Acrid. And, it's, yeah, and, yeah, and it, it, gets you that, uh, red rim around your meat. Um, it's more present in, in, in the protein. Mm-hmm. We want a light smoke. A bit laid back. Yeah. A light smoke. Cause we don't want to take out of the, the grey chicken that we work with pan burned chickens, mm. um, and um, and also from our uh, marinade, you know.
0: This um, this pastry looks really really interesting. It's um, it's uh, first of all they're, they're quite brown. You 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 bake them till they are quite brown, and it looks like um, we're going to try one a little bit. But it looks like it's got a little bit of crispness to it on yeah. the outside.
4: So the the mix, except for the ones with corn, mm. uh, corn and cheese, which we. Maintain them uh, vegetarian friendly. Yep. Uh, we do use lard. Ah, okay. I was wondering what the fat was in this, and that, her- that helps as well in the coloring of the pastry and, and the flavor and as the f- well. And the flavor.
0: There's nothing else, and it's just a, ma- a, a fact of life. Yeah. It's like it's the same as like fried chicken. If you fried chicken in lard. Wow. <laughs> I mean, as Rosemary Stand would say, or duck fat. Not every day. Oh my god, duck fat. Yeah, okay. And so uh, a lot of people actually know about the whole, you know, the most, most luxurious roast potatoes you can do in if you've got a roast going. If you do it with duck fat, yeah. This is uh, the same sort of thing. Um, are these things easy to make?
4: Um, look, the, the the most difficult part of making the empanadas is actually to fold them. Handfold them like the this additional. one. This one's got the rolled fold. Yeah. There's one that's got the. Re- oh, that's beautiful. They're all handmade. We Matt, all made get our. Can you this, buddy? They're all handmade in uh, in our kitchens. Yes, but um, it's um, yeah, it's a it's um, it's a whole technique, and you have to be very mm. patient because the pastry is uh, very um, uh, fragile. Fragile, yeah. But yeah, fragile in in a way of. It melts really quickly if you overwork it.
0: It's different from, um, what is it, like a, a hot water post, mm. which you know is, is used in a lot of pie making, which is so malleable and you yeah. can pretty much do anything with there's it.
4: There's no much uh, fat or uh, yeah. Yeah, fat content. Uh, I remember uh, years ago, uh,
0: Manny McConnell f- from Ballerina, mm-hmm. um, we, he was making empanadas and he was saying, yeah, they're, they're kind of tricky things to, to make, yeah. um, but... Uh, uh, Fear not, folks. Of course, Alejandro would like you to come and uh, get the yardstick, shall we say, of what a good empanada is. And just by looking at these, we go, well, yeah. Um, But if you want to try and make them at home, it's also one of those good things to try. Now, you've got... With uh, a different sizes
4: embarrassment. Of uh, sources here as well And um, that's all with uh, South American chilies as well That we especially import What is the South American the Now we have different take on, uh, well different varieties In Peru The chilies are more aromatic More flavoursome mm. um, Depends on which area you are You will find different um, Heat yes. Of chilies in the Andean Sierras, they are more mild, more earthy. Uh, they sun-dry the chilies. You so smoke them too? Uh, not much. Not so much. It's it's more, more to yeah, the north sun so that, d- that happens. Yeah, yeah okay. more sun-dry. Sun yes. Um, in the Amazon jungle, the chilies are a bit more fruity, more spicy. So is that
0: where the aji chili comes from, A-J-I?
4: Aji means chili for us. So there's our chilies. There's our aji. Thank you. (laughs) I stand corrected. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the um, coast of Peru, the chilies are more citrus as well. I, I guess um, they take a lot of the the, the environment yes. and where they uh, are grown as well. You mm. know, valley all the valleys in in the coast, um, the high mountains in the sierras, and the tropical uh, environment in the in the Andes, in the um, Amazon jungle mm. helps for all these um, chilies to have this particular. Um, flavors, of course, the king of chilies is the ají amarillo in Peru. Right, what's that? Um, that's a mild chili. It can be a, a, a bit, a bit spicy. Mild for us, probably it's one degree more spicy than mild here. Yes, we're used to chilies. We're used to. We like. We we enjoy our chilies. Mm. Um, so how does it compare? I think for a lot of people, the yardstick is the jalapeno. The jalapeno is not even spicy for us. Okay, I, so we're think. talking. We're, yeah, yeah, we're talking about we're talking a red a red chili. Up. Yes,
0: because um, I was looking at this old old reference book that I've got, which is uh, Mark Miller, and uh, I think he says the uh, there is an archie in here that he um, says is about a seven or an eight out of ten, which is pretty profound. Yeah. While a jalapeno is, um, if I remember rightly, I think it's about a six or a you know, so it's it's got a little bit more kick. Yeah. It certainly does. And I wanted to actually ma- make mention of this last week, but I'll ask your indulgence, if if you would, the mm. fact that a lot of people consider uh, with uh, Eastern cuisine, we're talking about the cuisine, the Thais, uh, India, um, all around there, Korea, of course, big chili users, that they always had chilies. Yeah. But that's not true, is it?
4: Well... In India, they work more with spices. Yes, and the the, the heat came from the pepper. Exactly. The pepper Nigerian. Yep. And um, in Chinese cuisine, Szechuan pepper as well. Crazy things. Brings uh, a lot of the flavor and the spice, Mm. Um, especially around India, um, Bangladesh, all these areas. Are big on the on the spice. There were the, that was the spice road. Yeah, for for Europeans.
0: But we we think about it as um, well. You know, the Europeans talk about the Columbus exchange mm-hmm. when Columbus came in 1492 and brought the chilies from South America. And around the chilies from South America, and then first went to uh, Spain and Portugal. And it was actually the Jesuits, uh, the Jesuit priests, because they first apparently were growing in monasteries, and mm-hmm. then went across to, of course, Goa, Japan. And from there, the Asian people just went, this is awesome.
4: Well, I just came back from um, from um, <laughs> Indonesia, in Jakarta, mm. and I was very lucky mm. to actually got exposed to all the different sambals, and that's the, oh. their salsas and yeah. their, base, uh, their base sauce for different stews as well. Yes. Um, and the way they do it and the mix and the, how they masterize all these different spices... And flavors and and aromatic herbs. Yes, and sometimes shrimp paste uh, too. Yep, balachand they use that and shrimp paste and and um, it's not much about the chili. Mm. Uh, Where they were, well, at least the ones that I tried, there's more than a hundred different varieties of sambals in in just one region in Indonesia. But um, you know, it was it was incredible to see how these different cultures embrace chilies or embrace spices in a different way, and uh, and we just assume that they're using a, a very hot chili.
0: And isn't it funny that you know some um, some civilizations do that? They like uh, you know Indonesians, the sambal can be like a symphony. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different ingredients. While and then you think about the Koreans, who are pretty much more sort of straight ahead and just go,
4: BOOM! yeah,
0: garlic, chili, <laughs> ah. You know, it's sort of it's a little bit more. Shall we say one dimensional? Yep, yep. All right. So now we've got, as we said, we've got empanadas, uh, which are happening here. So we should offer you. Congratulations on um, on growing. So not only have you got uh, pastuzzo, where um, chair. some of the most awesome ceviches I've had, and, uh, well, just great food without going into it too much. And the new place, again, is called? Che. C-H-E. You C-H-E? Matt's written
1: that down. Yeah, it's even on the Twitter feed if you want to have a look at what we are uh, salivating over. And
0: did you take a photo of that really beautifully? The rolled fold, yes. The rolled fold.
4: <laughs> How long does it take you to organise a rolled fold? <laughs> well... Depends. It might take like an hour. if you It might take a lifetime. <laughs> 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 Depends. <huh? laughs> but um, no, the boys and girls that work for us, with us, um, they're masters. So, yeah. Oh, we we'll look forward to,
0: to checking it out. Uh, Alejandro, thank you for taking the thank time you, to thank join you. us. Uh, we are talking about averting the banana apocalypse mm. with a distinguished professor after this. Oh, folks! You have to excuse me. I've just been enjoying the uh, empanada from Alejandro. But uh, using the miracle of the modern telephone, it's uh, my great pleasure to introduce to the uh, to the you listeners out there, distinguished professor James Dale. James, a very very good afternoon to you. Oh,
3: good mo- good morning to you. I'm in Brisbane. <laughs> ah, you are indeed,
0: um, James. You just got back from Uganda, which is. Uh, uh, kind of topical because we had someone on the show last week from Uganda about uh, purifying water. But you've been looking into, well, something that we think of grows on trees, but is actually a herb. That's right. Bananas. Oh, I'm glad I got that right. I thought there was a hesitation there. I thought, oh, God, I've screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> James, <Not at> <laughs> um, uh, now, I haven't got your... Where's your, your proper title? You are um, very much about uh, tropical uh, tropical plants. And crops, yes, yes right. and uh, you look specifically into the banana, and uh, well, let's see the threats that is uh, is apparent with this monoculture.
3: That's right. Yes, that's one of the things we do. We we work on uh, on bananas such as Cavendish, which is uh, accounts for about forty five percent of the bananas grown in the world. Oh, forty five!
0: Uh, I thought it would have been more than that. So it isn't quite a monoculture.
3: Well no no but it's a monoculture f- from the perspective of um export banana so the vast yes. majority of export bananas are cavendish And just one
0: how long has the uh, the cavendish reigned supreme
3: Not that long it's probably just over a century um previously it was a, the export banana was a banana called Gros Michel Big Mike um, <laughs> <laughs> Big Mike, yeah. Big Mikey. And, uh,
0: and what was and uh, the characteristics of Big Mike was it was a, a bit more of a tastier banana by all accounts?
3: Yes, it is. I've, I've tried it a few times. There is still some ground in the world, and it's, it is actually a really nice banana, mm. a little bit better than Cavendish, I would say.
0: Yes. And uh, the thing that is uh, afflicting the banana worldwide is uh, a soil-borne fungus, which, uh, if you get it, you're in a lot of trouble so far as plantation owners are concerned
3: yeah that's right and it's not only plantation owners unfortunately it's also that small small holders as well that that grow a few bananas as well as other things mm. the, the um the fungus doesn't discriminate
0: and once it's in um it's it's almost impossible impossible to eradicate yeah
3: that's right Yeah, so the 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 experiments that have been done so far suggest mm. that it survives
0: at least 40 years in the soil 40 that's years god, I, for, that's for right, once yeah. I wasn't exaggerating to Matt when I was explaining it to him I said <laughs> seven but my god I'm so wrong so once it's in yeah. it's it's there for. let's face it for a lifetime of the grower concerned
3: uh, essentially yes that's mm.
0: right uh what's the name of this fungus
3: it's called uh, Fusarium oxysporum, um, former spe- specialist Cubensi, Um wow. and there are two. For- there are two- <laughs> off- the disease is called Fusarium wilt or Panama disease.
0: Sorry, James, I wasn't laughing. at You, I was uh, laughing at my producer <laughs> Matt, who started to write this out, and then he just
3: <laughs> put his hands up and goes, "Ah, oh, okay, God, gave
0: up. gave up on the ten syllable." Yeah, <laughs> uh, Google it, people. Yeah, Google it. We'll we'll get it down um a little bit later, and. So um, where have we seen outbreaks of this and uh, how devastating has it been to worldwide banana production?
3: Okay, well, uh, beginning of last century, it, it got into the, the Cavendish are different. There are two types. There's <clears throat> um, Fusarium wilt or Panama disease, race one and tropical race four. Right. Um, race one uh, virtually wiped out all, the, all across Michelle Ooh. in South and Central America and, and elsewhere. Uh, and that's why we have Cavendish. Right. Cavendish is resistant to that race one. And, ah, and yes, I get so, it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but probably about 20, 25 years ago, the first indications are that there was another version of the same fungus called Were, Tropical Race 4. Was this which a mutation? No, it was, it's probably been in the soil for huge amounts of time These these uh, soil-borne fungi, uh, you know, they evolve And usually they evolve with their with their hosts So we suspect them might have come out of somewhere like Indonesia Where many of the bananas evolved from Because and so the, it was probably there
0: Yep, yeah, so bananas, uh, that's something I didn't cover in the introduction Bananas actually originated within Southeast Asia So in the Indonesian area specifically the banana came from?
3: Um, but part of that, it, it actually went right from the very tip of Australia. Most people don't realise, but no. Australia has uh, has native bananas, a, a banana called Musa Tuminata Banksia, uh, and that that occurs. But uh, right up through Papua New Guinea, um, Indonesia, right up through Malaysia, um, and and southern China, and then right across into South Asia, particularly in, into North India. That's where that's where they all evolved, and and they evolved. Uh, sort of in- independently in two different species, and then there, was, there were hybrids between the two species.
0: Uh, okay, conspiracy theorists, or, you know, just a, I'll just see if I dig this up. Is it possible that this was uh, this, this fungus became apparent or um, affected the things because of uh, cl- clearing land or something like that? Was, was that maybe part of the reason this became prevalent?
3: Probably not. The reason oh, okay. it became prevalent is humans move stuff around. Ah, yes. Um, okay. and, and, you know, this is a, what's you, as you said correctly earlier, this is a soil-borne fungus, so it gets around on people's boots and on machinery mm. and on on uh, <clears throat> the suckers that, that people plant. Yes. So it's relatively easy to move around. Um, it moves very effectively uh, sort of locally. Uh, it, it moves in, in irrigation water. It moves in flood water. Oh, anywhere God. where you get soil so it's, so it's waterborne and
0: airborne, and airborne as well
3: that's right but we're on soil particles in water yeah gosh
0: this is uh, this is bad stuff okay so we, i think we've uh, identified the problem let's uh, let's be solution oriented now um you've got your hat on for this um yes indeed. Oh, is have we got a wee bit of hope
3: <laughs> yes we have so um we've been working on genetically improving bananas for a long time Mm-hmm. Um, and I should, I should say, you know, people often talk about heritage varieties. You know, that's very, very popular that we go back to heritage varieties. The bananas that we eat are really ancient varieties. They've never been improved. So things like Cavendish you know, is probably in excess of 2,000 years old yeah, okay.
2: um,
3: and, and, and has never been improved in that time. So while it was fine where it was growing in, where where it developed, uh, we've moved it around and multiplied it up so much.
0: Can I ask but a question just... here and just cut across? Two thousand sure. years is that through human intervention and selective breeding that that uh, first originated?
3: No, no, no it was no, probably pure, purely a natural, uh, naturally occurring um, uh, hybrid. And the good thing a...
0: about it that made it so popular is that even though the the banana is a is a berry, really, um, that it was a seedless berry that had caught the attention of humanity.
3: That's right. And it's probably the early banana the early humans that grew bananas, mm. moved them around. They were probably dealing with what are known as diploids that had seed, and it may be that they actually moved them around not for their fruit, but their, for their big leaves because they're, they're such mm. good, um, uh, such good um, material for for building shelters out of. And when they started to move these around, they started to hybridize between. Different subspecies particularly mm. and uh, that's how we came up probably you know, two or three thousand years ago with all of these hybrids that are around them. there are lots of them it's not camvendish is alone there's lots of them. Cavendish is just a very popular one.
0: How can you modify a banana genetically to be resistant to this fungus
3: uh, um, okay, so we use we use genetic engineering so we use. We use a, a, fung, a fungus, a, a bacteria called Agrobacterium tumefaciens, uh, and ahead. this this, this yeah. bacteria did did you produce? To get that down?
0: No, he just showed, <laughs> he just <laughs> showed, he just showed his again. hand at me again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Can you say that bacterium again?
3: <laughs> so it's Agrobacterium tumefaciens. Got it. It's what's known? It's what's known as a natural genetic engineer. And What it does oh, is. Um, it infects plant cells and a um, very wide host range yep. and actually inserts its DNA mm-hmm. into the plant cell um, and and convinces the plant cell to make particularly the sugars that only it can live on. Ah. So it's a really smart little bike.
0: Good, good guy.
3: Um, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, for instance, one of the interesting things is that you know, people get terribly concerned about genetically modified food. As um, they
0: have been for almost a generation now?
3: Exactly. Well, most of those people, I suspect, would have eaten sweet potatoes at some time. Sweet potatoes were naturally genetically engineered. They, they, they carry a, a bit of this, a bit of this uh, bacteria around with them. Um, and it works. That's it's really interesting phenomenon. Can, can you just e-
0: expand on that? Because I have a Peruvian chef here who just gave me a very quizzical <laughs> look, and he's actually put his <laughs> headphones on. Could you? Uh, it's twelve fifty seven. We've got a couple minutes. Could you? But could you quickly just expand on that?
3: Sure, sure. So b- b- way back in time, this this bacteria, Agrobacterium, infected. Uh, one of the progenitors, I, I assume, and nobody's really worked it out, yes. one of the progenitors of sweet potato, and it inserted its genes into that progenitor, yes, um, including some bacterial genes, and nearly every banana, every banana, every sweet potato cultivar in the world contains this bit of DNA from agrobacterium, yeah. and it's and it still works
0: well that's a praise jesus moment okay so back to the uh, banana how is uh, our little agrobacteria working in that
3: no well what it, it, it was smart in being able to do that yes what it wasn't so smart about is that you can take out all of its its contents that it tries to put in and replace it with what what you want to put in and it still does the same thing so what we did is we took a gene out of a wild banana, which is naturally resistant to this tropical race four. Yes, inserted it into into the bacteria and put it, infected the banana cells with with the bacteria. Transferred our cell our, our um, gene in, and the plants we grew back from them contained this gene. That gene that we called RGA two.
0: And is this maybe if uh, this cultivar gets created? um will you get uh maybe named after you ah,
3: no it'll still be called cavendish oh okay well <laughs> I thought maybe it'd be sort of you know cavendish dale or something because you know
0: you, you were talking about that early banana from australia <coughs> and you know the first white man obviously but you know the great rich botanist banksy mr banks yes. uh he yep, got a, he indeed. got his name on that one uh,
3: um we tend not to do oh, that well look, that, that's great look, um <laughs>
0: Uh, may we just say, uh, more strength to your arm to uh, to help out with the banana industry worldwide because this will have worldwide implications. Congratulations on your work. Uh, more power to you. And thank you so much for, uh, for having a chat to us.
3: A pleasure.
0: Have a great afternoon. You're taking it easy?
3: Thank you. <laughs> now I've got a bit to do in the garden, having been a while.
0: Oh, that's good. Well, yes, the the weeds grow when you're in Uganda. Thank you again for having a chat to us. Really do appreciate it. Great. No worries. Bye-bye. Well, that was interesting. Mm. Um, so there was the, uh, the good distinguished professor, James Dale. Uh, Alejandro is here. You should have seen those eyebrows shoot up when we were talking <laughs> about sweet potatoes. Uh, did you buy the story? Did you? Not sure. Yeah, I yep. say it again? No! Right. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, it is one o'clock. We've got to go. I was going to say,
1: speaking of interesting, you were mentioning also during the week that excellent program, Mavo Mara uh, and Food Safari. Was it this week? Featured friend of Triple R. Joseph Abood. Joseph Abood. Yeah. So yeah, Check him out. And I think you'll probably get it up on the, cat, the catch-up apps if you missed it
0: on air. You certainly can. Mm. Um, we'll see, speak to you next week. Sunday lunch is coming on after this. Yes, and
1: Pumpy's in the house for a JVG radio method. It's all going to be great. Yeah, we heard him. We heard him rehearsing. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs>